This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. Native American tribal lands are supposed to be sovereign, and in some ways they are. But when it comes to forest management, it turns out that local control, tribal sovereignty over that forested land, produces significant dividends for healthy forests. Todd Myers with the Washington Policy Center describes why. When somebody describes to me a tribe that is operating on tribal lands, and they have tribal sovereignty, what I have come to discover over years of having discussions with people like Terry Anderson, formerly of Perk, uh, and others, is that tribal sovereignty doesn't actually mean what I think it ought to mean, which is ownership, control, and all the bundles of, bundle of rights that you would associate with owning a piece of land. So what does that mean? What does tribal sovereignty mean? Uh, in those contexts, uh, is specifically in the context of environmental preservation. It's tribal sovereignty means is very complicated um, because of the legacy that the United States basically holds those lands in trust for the tribal members through the Bureau of Indian Affairs. So rather than allow the tribes to control what they want in their land, um, they have to get permission from the federal government in many cases, which is not property rights, which is not sovereignty. It is essentially socialist. Um, and that's, and as a result, what you have seen are lots of environmental problems and other property rights problems that are a legacy of that approach. In many cases, you would see out in the West where I live, um, where there were timber harvests, where the benefits were supposed to go to the tribes, but they would essentially go to the federal government and then the money would be used for the tribes, whether the tribal members wanted those harvests or not. Um, and so that's been the approach of the past. More recently, we have seen some changes where tribes have more control over how they manage their natural resources. And once you have the property rights and the incentives and the accountability all aligned, you start to see really good things in terms of environmental management. So, uh, the lands uh, uh, that tribes occupy are federal lands correct that are managed on behalf of tribes correct uh, uh, and tribes have some say over some decision making it's not a this kind of sovereignty that you and I would associate with a with a country or a nation but i wonder to the extent that there has been a greater uh, control that tribes have exerted over those lands. What kind of lessons can we take directly from that sort of A-B testing right. of uh, policy uh, control? So what you see with tribes are you see a legacy of some bad regulation and that they don't technically control a lot of things, but they do have political leeway, which is that for political reasons, they can do some things that they might not be able to if they were on neighboring federal lands. And so in Washington state, where I live, the best example is, is that most of eastern Washington's forests, especially the federal forests, are very unhealthy, very fire-prone, bug-killed. And if you look at a map of unhealthy forests, you will notice that there is essentially a donut hole of a forest that is much healthier, much less fire prone. And that is the Yakima Indian Reservation because the tribe a couple of decades ago decided that they wanted to improve the health of their forests. They wanted to create a timber industry essentially for jobs. And now what you see as a result is you see very good forest management, very healthy forests. And I flew over the forest one time, which abuts uh, a federal forest and you don't need a map to see where the line is. You can see on one side, it's very lush, green, spaced out forests. And on the other side, the federal side, it is 
all dead and red. Uh, and that's because they had the leeway, the political leeway, um, to do what they needed to do. So what do they know that the Department of the Interior does not know? Part of it is simply that they have political authority and the ability to do some things. So another good example in Washington state is uh, wolves are recovering. They are still listed as endangered in Washington state, but in the Colville Confederated Tribes Reservation, wolves are considered recovered and they actually hunt. Um, And so what they do is, is that rather than sort of the idealized version of environmental policy, which is where you get the science, and then you use that to create a plan, and then you impose that plan from the top down, what the tribal approach, and this is uh, also in sort of traditional knowledge and how traditional tribal knowledge was created, which is that you do some things, you get some feedback, you have the accountability, you learn from it, you observe and you move on and then you change. And that sort of, it's a very market oriented process, right? You learn and you change and you adapt. It's dynamic and it much, it is a much better fit for sort of a conservative or libertarian approach to the environment than the top down science imposed, which we see has all sorts of problems. Uh, I believe it was last year, 2020, the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, in an opinion written by Neil Gorsuch, said, oh, the eastern half of Oklahoma, that's Indian territory. Does that mean anything now, Uh, at least within this context? do, Do you have any sense that that will make a difference in terms of how those lands get managed? It's very interesting because when I talk about tribal stewardship of natural resources, I frequently get questions about um, situations like this or where tribes are in, are using their treaty rights outside of reservation land. And there is a, and you can see sort of the value of aligned incentives in the way that tribes deal with what's on their property and what's on what's other people's property. On their land, they manage very responsibly. They do the things that they need to do um, to have healthy forests, to have a healthy environment and a strong economy. But when they're dealing with other people's property, the costs are borne not by them, but by somebody else. And they often make very outrageous claims. And so people, you know, sort of wonder, they get frustrated with me for talking about the things that tribes do that I think are good. But it is a perfect example of when you pay for the costs of your decisions, you act very differently than when you don't. And so situations in Oklahoma and elsewhere where people are frustrated with tribal behavior are often because tribes are trying to do things where they pay none of the costs. And that isn't a tribal issue. That's a human issue. Going forward, what would be the the appropriate relationship between uh, tribes having control you know, control and use and all the different rights yeah. that you would associate with owning a piece of land. What's the proper relationship between the Bureau of Indian Affairs and those tribes? I think the tribes should have much more like what we talk about traditional sovereignty, where they are responsible for the decisions made on their land and where they pay the costs uh, for better or for worse. Because what we see is, is that when those incentives are aligned, they make good decisions for themselves and for their neighbors. And like I said, if you looked at forest health in Washington state, the bad neighbors are not the tribes. The bad neighbors is the federal government and the federal forests. And so I think giving them more authority, as long as the incentives are aligned for them to do what they want to do when they have the property rights, they should be trusted to make the decisions that are best for their communities. You know, I I think this, the Oklahoma case that uh, the Supreme Court decided has, I guess, renewed some interest in uh, the degree, the relationship between the federal government and 
uh, Native American tribes. And do you do you sense that? Yeah, I think, and it's going to be very difficult, obviously, because unwinding, you know, a century of really strange, bad, paternalistic decisions. I mean, there are still on the books and fraud. Let's be and let's be honest. Absolutely, there are still rules on the books that say that tribal members have to get authority, have to get a license to do business on their own reservation. Um, and have to check their competence, but that white men, and actually says the phrase white men, are considered competent automatically. They don't have to go through the process, but tribal members do. Now, the Bureau of Indian Affairs will say, and I think probably correctly, that they don't enforce that anymore, but that gives you a sense of what we have to overcome. You can't overcome that immediately, and so situations like in Oklahoma and elsewhere, um, I, I think it's hard to you know, get a path from here to where um, there's less conflict uh, without having to deal with a lot of the baggage that we're carrying. I think the key thing to understand is when we talk about the environment, people on the right, whether they're conservative or libertarian, you know, have a struggle sometimes to have a concept of how it works, how to be a conservative or libertarian environmentalist. And I think that it's when you look, there are models, um, and some of those models are still there that we can learn from on reservations in the history of um, tribal indigenous knowledge where in their use of fire, they learned, right? They, they used fire to improve the forest, to uh, hunt, to do a variety of things, and they would learn, and over time, they would adapt to those circumstances. That's the model that is very similar to the market. It's a very Hayekian model where you recognize that there is knowledge embedded in tradition. Um, and I think it's one that we can look to that help us conceptualize how libertarians and conservatives should relate to environmental policy. Todd Myers is with the Washington Policy Center. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>